Today we're diving into an article titled UK Guidelines on the Diagnosis and Treatment of Breast Implant-Associated Anaplastic Large Cell Lymphoma, BIAALCL, published in the Journal of Plastic, Reconstructive, and Aesthetic Surgery. It's quite a mouthful, but it's an important topic to discuss. BIAALCL is a rare type of lymphoma that is associated with breast implants. The article emphasizes the importance of raising awareness about this condition and highlights the need for early diagnosis. The authors stress that early diagnosis is crucial in order to provide successful treatment and minimize the need for more radical interventions. They mention that BIAALCL typically begins on the inner aspect of the peri-implant capsule, causing an effusion or tissue mass to form within the capsule. The diagnosis of BIAALCL is usually made through cytological immunohistochemical, an immunophenotypic evaluation of peri-implant fluid. The article mentions that pleomorphic lymphocytes are typically anaplastic lymphoma kinase, ALK, negative and strongly positive for CD30. While BIAALCL is indolent in most patients, it can progress rapidly if not diagnosed early. The treatment usually involves surgical removal of the implant with the intact surrounding capsule known as total unblocked capsulectomy. This procedure is usually curative. However, in cases of late diagnosis, more radical surgery and systemic therapies may be required. The article mentions that poor outcomes and deaths have been reported in such cases, so early detection is really key here. The guidelines provided in this article aim to provide a structured approach for the assessment and treatment of patients with suspected or proven BIAALCL. They are intended for all clinicians involved in the care of people with breast implants. It's worth noting that BIAALCL is more commonly associated with textured implants rather than smooth implants. The absolute risk of developing BIAALCL is small, but it's still important to be aware of the potential risks associated with breast implants. The article also discusses the importance of implant monitoring and referral for breast assessment in patients with breast implants. It recommends that patients with breast symptoms and a history of breast implants should be referred to a specialist clinic for further evaluation. The authors also highlight the role of radiological imaging in the diagnosis of BIAALCL. Ultrasound is typically the initial investigation of choice to assess pain, swelling, or a mass related to a breast implant. Mimography and magnetic resonance imaging, MRI, may also be used for further evaluation. In cases where there is diagnostic uncertainty, FDGPET-CT, fluorobioxyglucose positron emission tomography computed tomography, may be helpful for staging and assessing the extent of the disease. The article also discusses the importance of primary histopathological assessment and secondary assessment through immunohistochemistry. It emphasizes the need for a two-stage process and recommends specific techniques for sample collection and analysis. The guidelines also cover the management of BIAALCL, including preoperative investigations, explantation with total unblocked capsulectomy, processing of the specimen post-explant, staging, systemic treatment options, and ongoing surveillance. In conclusion, early diagnosis and successful treatment of BIAALCL can minimize the need for more invasive interventions and improve patient outcomes. These guidelines provide an evidence-based and systematic framework for clinicians to follow in the assessment and treatment of patients with suspected or proven BIAALCL. One of the key points emphasized in the article is the importance of clinical suspicion and referral to a tertiary center for further assessment if there are any clinical or radiological suspicions after negative cytology. It's crucial to have these cases reviewed by a hematopathologist within a specialist integrated HMDS, as per NICE guidelines. 
This ensures accurate diagnosis and appropriate management. The article also highlights the markers used to confirm the hematopoietic origin of the cells and exclude other types of lymphoma. These markers include CD, 4-5, T-cell markers, cytotoxic markers, CD, 3-0, and a B-cell panel. It is important to note that CD30 expression alone is not sufficient to diagnose BIAALCL, as it can also be present on normal activated T, B, and natural killer cells. Therefore, a comprehensive analysis using multiple markers is necessary. Another important point is the use of pollen-race chain reaction, PCR, for T-cell receptor gene rearrangements to confirm the clonality of T-cells. This helps in distinguishing neoplastic T-cells from normal ones. FISH can be used to assess the absence of specific translocations in systemic ALCL, but not BIAALCL. It's important to rule out other types of lymphoma and confirm the diagnosis of BIAALCL. The article also discusses ongoing research studies and the need for a centralized biobank of samples for research purposes. Understanding the pathogenesis of BIAALCL is crucial for developing better treatment strategies. Hypotheses regarding the pathogenesis of BIAALCL include chronic inflammation, bacterial biofilm, microparticles from the implant shell, repetitive trauma friction, carcinogenic toxins, and genetic predisposition. Ongoing research studies aim to gather more information on these potential causes. Moving on to management, the article discusses the approach to an indeterminate breast assessment with reactive effusions. It recommends referral to a tertiary center with expertise in BIAALCL MDT discussion, repeat assessment with ultrasound and further aspiration for cytology, additional imaging with MRI or close monitoring. The pros and cons of each approach need to be carefully considered on a case-by-case basis, taking into account the level of suspicion, differential diagnosis, and potential morbidity associated with interventions such as total end block capsulectomy. The article also provides recommendations for the management of confirmed cases of BIAALCL. It highlights the importance of referral to a tertiary center for further management and the need for reporting cases to the BCI or an MHRA. It emphasizes the role of surgery as the recommended primary treatment for all patients with BIAALCL. Total end block capsulectomy plays a pivotal role in reducing stage progression, future recurrence, and improving overall survival. The article also discusses preoperative investigations, such as blood tests and bone marrow aspiration, to assess disease extent and plan appropriate surgical management. It's important to have a multidisciplinary team discussion prior to any intervention to ensure shared management between hemato-oncology and breast surgery. All imaging results should be reviewed and routine blood tests should be performed. The article also highlights the importance of processing the specimen post-explant for further analysis. This includes draining the peri-implant effusion fluid for cytology, opening the capsule for morphological analysis, and sending multiple representative sections for histopathology. Adequate processing of the specimen is crucial for accurate diagnosis and staging of BIAALCL. It's important to identify any areas of concern and ensure thorough analysis of the capsule. The article also provides recommendations for staging, systemic treatment options, and ongoing surveillance. The TNN staging system should be used, and systemic treatment should be individualized based on disease extent and patient characteristics. The article discusses various systemic treatment options, including chemotherapy, monoclonal antibody therapy, and autologous stem cell transplantation. The choice of treatment should be based on the best available evidence and individual patient factors. 
The role of radiation therapy is also discussed, and adjuvant chest wall radiotherapy is not routinely recommended after total capsulectomy for T1 and T2 tumors that have been completely excised. However, it may be considered in certain cases where complete excision was not possible or there is chest wall invasion. Finally, the article emphasizes the importance of ongoing surveillance for patients with BIAALCL. Joint patient follow-up between the surgical and hematoncology teams is recommended every three to six months for at least two years. Routine imaging surveillance is not recommended unless patients become symptomatic. That's a comprehensive overview of the main points from the article. It's important for healthcare workers to be aware of these guidelines and ensure timely and appropriate management of patients with suspected or proven BIAALCL. Early diagnosis and successful treatment can significantly improve patient outcomes.